As web designers, we like to think we have the monopoly on creativity and aesthetics. In fact, so strong is this opinion that we actively discourage other stakeholders from commenting on design. But is that a correct assumption? Personally, I don't think it is. I believe anyone can be creative and have a good design idea. Admittedly, a designer is more likely to have consistently good ideas when it comes to aesthetics, but that doesn't mean others can occasionally be right too. How then can we involve stakeholders in the design process without it becoming designed by committee? I've already written about ways of including the client in wireframing, but I don't think that's where their involvement should stop. We also sometimes produce mood boards with our clients too. Collaborative mood boarding is a great exercise to run with groups of stakeholders. It provides five powerful benefits. First, it's a great way of exploring the personality of an organization in terms of tangible design elements rather than purely descriptive words, although those are useful too. Second, it gives the stakeholder a sense of ownership over the design so that they're more likely to sign it off. Third, it shows the stakeholder the value of their opinion and input and that we take their input seriously. Next, it can help educate the client about design principles such as typography, imagery, colour and stylistic elements. And finally, it occasionally turns up an approach that you would have never normally have considered. How then do you run a collaborative mood boarding session? Collaborative mood boarding works best when you can break a number of stakeholders down into multiple groups. Each group will then create their own mood board using an internet-enabled laptop. They will use this laptop to research the elements that they wish to um, add to their mood board. And elements should include things like typography, imagery, colour, stylistic elements. Mood boards are normally assembled by asking the group to essentially drag and drop elements um, that they like into something like Keynote or PowerPoint. Instead of expecting the group to start from scratch finding their own material, it's a good idea to give them some source material to work with. Some sources we use are things like Google Fonts for typography, Flickr or Google Image Search for imagery, Adobe Cooler for colour palettes or my own inspiration library for stylistic elements. Each group will then look through these source materials and select elements that they feel represent the organisation. When the exercise is finished, the groups come together and discuss the final results. And this is a crucial step in the process, as it's where the designer gets a chance to educate the client about best practice. These boards then become a great starting point for the designer to create more refined mood boards and pattern libraries. Although we found this a massively successful approach, it's not without its potential issues. Being aware of these stumbling blocks ensures the success of the exercise. The first thing to watch out for is groups going off on strange tangents. Sometimes a group will misunderstand the exercise or have an unrealistic vision of the brand and so produce something that is more harmful than useful. To avoid this problem, we recommend setting some parameters on the exercise. Before the mood boarding exercise begins, we discuss brand characteristics, such as whether the company is professional or casual, friendly or formal, etc., we then give each group a certain characteristic um, to mood board around. For example, one group might produce a mood board that focuses on the friendly characteristics of the brand, while another might focus on the more professional aspects. Providing themed mood boards not only reduces the likelihood of the group um, going off on some same strange tangent, it also prevents another danger. That is the expectation that these mood boards become the basis for the final design. 
It is important to make it clear that the mood boards are a starting point for discussion, not a template for the final design. The designer goes away and produces the final mood boards. The mood boards being produced by the group are simply a discussion around different brand values. As a result, it's important that there is more than one group producing multiple mood boards. If only a single mood board is produced, then it's more than likely to be seen as the definitive style that should be adopted by the site. This is the big difference between collaborative mood boarding and design by committee. The mood boards produced are not meant to be uh, defining the final design. They're meant to act as a brief for the designer to help establish a general direction in terms of characteristics. The chances are the designer won't stick to the colour palette, typography or imagery suggested in the group mood boards, but use these as inspiration for the direction he or she chooses to go. That said, being able to refer back to the group mood boards when presenting the final design is a compelling tool for getting design sign-off. Most of all, completing this exercise just might surprise you and some design approaches that you would have never considered um, may appear. Perhaps your stakeholders turn out to be more creative than you gave them credit for.